What a tremendous day this is to share with our children. I want to express my thanks to Jennifer, to Tim, and all of those who work with the children's ministries here at St. Matthew's. And for these wonderful children, let's thank them once again and express thanks to God for what He's doing in our midst. Indeed, indeed. I hope you have found your heart card and that you've had a chance to respond. Put your responses there, place that in the plate. If you didn't have a chance to do that before the plate came by this morning, then just know that there are extras at the RSVP desk and you're welcome to come and fill those out following the service today if for some reason you missed that. We're going to continue in our extraordinary story. Today, as we look at the 18th chapter of Luke's gospel, just briefly today, uh, and one of the, uh, another of those interesting stories that Luke gives to us about how God really wants to give to those who ask. So let me invite you to stand in honor of the reading as you're able, and we'll take a look at this beginning with the first verse of Luke's 18th chapter. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Be seated. There was a a little girl who had been sent to her room to think things over. Perhaps you've heard that phrase before after some irresponsible grocery store behavior. Have you ever been there? (laughs) Probably so. And after a while, after she'd spent some time in her room, she emerged with all smiles on her face and she says, Well, I thought and I prayed. Fine, said her mother. That will help you to be good. And she said, Oh, no, I didn't pray to be good. I prayed that God would help me put up with you. (laughs) First and foremost, this passage is above all about prayer. The widow is a symbol of the poor and the defenseless in her day. The only thing going for her was her persistence. The judge, on the other hand, was the symbol of power. But judges at that time could be swayed easily, if not always swayed, and maybe based on the bribe or power or influence of one or both of the parties that were involved in any particular case that they might hear. But the message here in Jesus' little parable is that if a crooked judge can bring about justice, how much more is God interested 
in you. God's always more interested in giving than we are in receiving. And the passage doesn't say to us, just whine away, just, just, you know, just beat the doors down. I mean, the judge does respond, he seems to say, because she's just going to keep coming. She's just going to annoy me to death until I grant what it is that she wishes. Jesus is not telling us to just keep whining, keep pleading, keep begging. What he's saying is, if this, just, if this judge can respond in just a little way to grant this woman's request, think about how much more God is interested in giving you the things that you need. You see, the community of faith that Luke was addressing in this gospel is a community under stress. Luke wrote to a community that a number of years after, say, well, say just out of uh, round numbers, about 100 years after uh, Jesus walked on the earth. And his community was enduring a bit of persecution. It had been a long time. Time had passed when they understood that Jesus was going to return very quickly. And so they were under stress. They were under persecution at the hands of the Romans, They were under uh, persecution from the religious authorities of Judaism and living in a a terrible time. If anything can erode enthusiasm and faithfulness, it's when things get hot, you know. And things get hot from time to time. And it may, if you take H-O-T and break that down, it might be that there's heavy cost involved. It might be that there's opposition that comes up against you. And it may be just that delay. It may be time that ticks away and all of a sudden you realize you're running out of patience and your persistence is ebbing low. Things had gotten hot. They'd lost their patience in Luke's community. Their persistence was at a low ebb. And you know, we often find that our patience is running thin, running in short supply these days. As the economy has had its ups and downs, we have found ourselves just wondering, can we just make it through? But in this passage, what is Luke really trying to tell us? We we need to find that out. I think one of the things he's telling us is in the use of our time and in our prayer, patience is a virtue that carries a lot of weight, W-A-I-T. Patience is a virtue that carries a lot of weight. Why is it that we run so short on patience? We want what we want, and we want it now. You might remember, kids, you might remember in uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there was a girl who was always out of patience. She wanted what she wanted, and she wanted it now. What was her name? Was it Veruca? That's it. That's it. We want what we want, and we want it now. And if something's going wrong, we want it fixed now. And if something is going long and it's getting boring, then we want it to be done now, (laughs) you know? There was a, a... a group that had been gathered together to hear a succession of different speakers. And it, it seemed that as they went along, each speaker got longer and each speaker got more boring. And so the moderator stood up and says, we're about to hear the address of our last speaker. 
who stood up and said, my address is 2242 Cranberry Lane, Seattle, Washington, 98101. And he sat down. And the crowd stood up and cheered. <laughs> they were done. They've been done. If it's getting long, if it's getting boring, we want to get out now. But remember, God wants good things for you even more than an unjust judge, even more than you do. And good things come to those who wait. We go from one thing to the next. Oh, I'm chief of sinners here. We just, you know, going from one thing to the next. I just returned from parents weekend and my little college student who's a freshman, she's just going from one thing to the next. She can barely keep up with it all, but she's thriving. But I think if we're not too careful, we'll get so busy that we forget to make time to pray. But if we're too busy to pray, then what? We're too busy, aren't we? Another thing I think Luke teaches us is that prayer changes the prayer, the person who prays, and allows us to go deeper in our faith. If you're really praying, you seldom get the answer that you're looking for. Because true prayer causes the prayer, the one who makes the prayer, to pray a new prayer. True prayer convinces the one who's praying that what was once desired is no longer desirable. You see, prayer makes a new person out of the one who prays. Maxie Dunham, in his workbook on living prayer, says, God is neither like the friend at midnight. Do you remember that story about the man who comes banging on his neighbor's door saying, I've got somebody who's come to see me. I don't have anything to lay before them. Please help me out. And he responds because of the continued banging on his door. Well, Dunham says that prayer is not, is not like, or God is neither like the friend at midnight nor like the unjust judge because he doesn't reluctantly withhold gifts that he can give to us. Still, he can't give all of his gifts all the time. And our persistence in prayer is not to nag him about our unsettled requests, but to ingrain in us an ultimate trust and reliance on God for our future and for what is to come. That kind of prayer changes the person who prays. But unfortunately, the answers don't always come as anticipated, do they? Theologian Enzo Bianchi said, prayer has always been a problem. <laughs> prayer has always been a problem. And I had never really thought of it that way, but if it is a problem, unanswered prayer has always been the worst part of the problem. People of faith have always struggled through times when God seemed distant or when our prayers breathed fervently into the air seemed to fall with a thud at our feet. There was a board of trustees at a church that began to notice that uh, up in the ceiling areas of the church and the crown moldings and all, it was looking really dusty. And the pastor of the church came to this conclusion. It was almost like They'd been praying prayers that had just never gotten through the ceiling. 
It was all those prayers that they had prayed selfishly, all those prayers that they had prayed with a mean spirit, all of those prayers that they had prayed just to get something for themselves. Their hope was that they could clear away the dust and pray a better prayer. Think back on the Gethsemane story. This is where Jesus confronted the problem of unanswered prayer most dramatically. In agony over what God was asking Jesus to do. Jesus prayed in the garden, Is there no way that this cup can pass from me? Is there no other way? And so he he goes to be consoled by his disciples. And how does he find them? They're asleep. He goes back to his prayer asking again, "Is Is there no other way, Lord? Father, is there no other way? He goes back and he finds his disciples sleeping. Again, he goes, prays, comes back, finds the disciples sleeping. I think maybe suddenly Jesus realized that the answer to his prayer had been there all along. The answer was in his sleeping disciples. Here, even those who were closest to him, his most intimate friends who knew his message best, were unable to stay loyal and keep the faith and stay awake with him. And if they failed so miserably, how much more would humanity fail? No other way. The salvation of the world could come in no other way but in his death and resurrection. And Jesus' prayer was answered that night, not as he wanted it, not where he looked for it. His prayer was answered not in voices from heaven, but in the snoring of sleeping disciples. His prayer was answered not with a crown, but with a cross. Perhaps we would do well to look for our answers to prayer in the way of the cross, rather rather than looking for our answers in the way of the crown. The answers seldom come in ways that we expect. If we can slow down enough, we will never grow weary in prayer and our faith will never falter if after we have offered our prayers to God, we finish with the perfect prayer, which is, in my mind, thy will be done. You know, the disciples went to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, how should we pray? Teach us to pray. Tell tell us how we can pray best. He didn't really talk to them about it, but first let me say a word about postures of prayer. Some people think that, you know, a prayer is just really not any good unless you're on your knees and making your prayer to God. Some folks think it doesn't really matter what posture it is. But I think what matters is you want to assume the posture in your prayer that most easily connects you to God. My dad... uh, lived uh, at Millsaps with a a fine roommate, another pre-ministerial student as he was. And this uh, roommate loved to get on his knees down by his bed. He was on the lower bunk. My dad was on the upper bunk. He would get down on his knees and fold his hands on his bed and bow his head and he would pray. One night, he had been in prayer a long time and my dad heard... (coughs) 
And just because you're on your knees doesn't make your prayer any better. But what you're looking for is for that posture that brings you in the presence of God and helps you establish that communion with God so that your prayer doesn't fall like a thud at your feet. Jesus gave his disciples the way to pray. He he said, when you pray, pray this way. And he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Adoration, to express an ultimate trust in his will, to offer your petitions, to present your confessions, to ask for guidance, and then to glorify God in all things. No matter how you pray or what you pray, just keep praying. God wants to answer your prayer, even more than an unjust judge even more than you want to receive what you request. He'll answer in his way, in his time. Here are your challenges this week. Go ahead, do heart cards in your family. I think you'll be blessed by it, and your church family will be blessed as you share those things. But then also, let me suggest that you practice three different postures for prayer this week. And it may be that it's on your knees. It may be that it's lying in bed. Hopefully you won't go away like that. Or maybe it's sitting in your rocking chair out on your porch enjoying nature around you. Perhaps it's even falling prostrate. Perhaps it even calls you to come to the church and come to the altar and kneel this week. But practice three postures. And the other thing, the other challenge is Talk with a faith friend about your understanding and practice of prayer. What does prayer mean for you? How do you best pray? What's your theology of prayer? What does the problem of unanswered prayer present for you? How do you struggle with that? How do you reconcile that issue and still present your prayers before God? My prayer is that we'll more and more be a praying congregation and that we'll pray those prayers that get through the ceiling as we lay our prayers at the feet of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This morning we close with Be Thou My Vision, a good hymn to sing for a a church family that's looking at hopes and visions and dreams for the church. And uh, I hope that as we sing this this morning, it'll be an inspiration to our children and our, our young people and also to us that we're continuing to dream the big dreams of what God is calling us to be and do in our church, in our community, and even globally. Dream the big dreams this week. If God's calling you to be a part of the St. Matthew's congregation, we invite you to join us at the front as we sing together today. And as we sing, I want you to look around at the faces of children and see how they have blessed us today and give thanks to God once again that we have the opportunity to be in ministry with them. Let's stand and sing.
want to share with you this morning that Matt and Amanda McGowan joined our church at the 830 service, and I hope that as you uh, run into them in the church hallways that you'll welcome them in Christian love. They're part of the Cornerstone group. Congratulations uh, to that group for being and providing such a home for Matt and Amanda. As we go from this place today, hear the challenge of God upon your life to be a person of prayer, to know that he would give to you. Give thanks for children, for the little extra noises and chaos that they bring, for the leadership that they show to us as they lead in our congregation, and for the joy that they bring. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen and amen.